Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, such a beautiful weekend. I've, I've had tons of tons of fun this weekend. Really happy. Um, our creative, well, minister, well, should our creative director, Oyinda, and Fola, who used to be the head of our band, got married yesterday. So I was really, very, really, very happy. Um, so the person next to you is looking slightly hungover. That may be the reason why. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I left early. I left early. Prepare the message. I left early. <laughs> All right. Um, we start a new discussion today, um, me and my emotions. You please ask the person next to you, say, how are you doing emotionally? Uh, I know you have to know. You don't know. No, you didn't do the last, last part. You do it with an accent. You can't do it with an accent. You have to put emotionally. Emotionally. How, how are you doing emotionally? All right. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Um, and we'll discuss this through February by God's grace. I do want to provide some context for a fast that we will start um, in a couple of days. Oh, as I suspect, yes. Okay. Um, and just to say that fasting has nothing to do with food. Food is not the object of the fast. Okay? Uh, it's a short fast. It's not a long one. Currently, the instructions we have and we're working with is roughly 40 days. Like roughly. Okay. Um, <laughs> somebody says, ah. <laughs> there's another church across the road. I just, I'll join you guys on the 41st day. <laughs> um, but we are, I'm deeply, deeply persuaded that for some people that there is, you've come to a place in your life that you and God need to settle some issues. Uh, and so fasting is not really about what you eat or what you don't eat. Because I don't know about you, and most people here have fasted before, but sometimes in the course of the fast, it, it, and this happens to me, you know, maybe I guess you guys will be more spiritual, but the days, if there are days I can go without eating, whole days, just working, working, the day I'm fasting by 8 a.m. by 9, I'm aware that I'm fasting. You know, you don't get to 3 p.m. Like, oh my God, I'm even fasting to know. From 8, you know, you just everything you're driving past the fast food joints the advertising is reaching out to you you know people having breakfast in the office speaking to you uh, <laughs> you know so when you're fasting that you're annoyed that your neighbor is cooking like what kind of human beings are this who's frying plantain at 12 in the afternoon what's all this what rubbish you know but sometimes we make the small mistake i'd say of just focusing on the fast itself on, on the food that you're not eating uh, Isaiah 58 in verse 3 says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls? And you take no notice. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. And debate. And to strike with a feast of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this today. To make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? And an acceptable day to the Lord. Is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bones of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and do not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, social media, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, a fast is essentially a season of enhanced devotion to God. Uh, so, when we refrain from food and drink in the middle of a fast or in the fast, 
we're signaling to ourselves that we have demoted our immediate appetites so that we can attend to that which God wants to do. When your body says, when, you, when, you're, when you're hungry, your body is saying to you, hey, guy, we need food, right? Um, and so when you fast, you say to yourself, I know I need things. I know I need food. I, I know um, I need a car. I know I need a job. I know I need uh, a new relationship. I know I need a house. But when you fast, you say, for this period, and, and the truth is that our needs can be very noisy sometimes. Very noisy. And you can get to the place where all you hear are the things which you need. And when you fast, you put your needs on one side and you focus on God. So a fast cannot be self-centered. And so the hunger pangs that you would feel in the fast are a signal to you that you are focusing on God and something beyond yourself. So the fast is a confession not of my unwillingness to eat, but of my submission to God. And Jesus fasted, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus being tempted uh, for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. All right, so um, I'm trusting God, and the so next Sunday we'll then provide a bit more context. I'm trusting God that it will be transformational. So we're not in the fast necessarily asking for things. Um, I've been saying to the leaders how I understand it is it's your kingdom come, your will be done. We're simply saying that after this period of devotion to God, there is an assurance that everything God wants to do, nothing missing, nothing broken, uh, will be done in our lives. So it's essentially about devotion and not about the food. Okay? Will you tell the person next to you, cheer up, cheer up, cheer up. Tell them you can do this. I believe in you. I believe, I believe in you. It's just 40 days. It's 40 days. Uh, and then when the day, I think it's 40 days, we had this argument this morning, whether it was on February 14 or February 15. Charles, I'm not the one doing this. I'm telling you because we want to end April 1, which is Easter Sunday. And some guy says, February 14. It's like, <laughs> I hear the government has arranged that this year, uh, February 14 is Valentine's Day. So that might be a bit tricky. But what, what better way to spend Valentine's Day? All right. <laughs> so that's for the fast. Okay. Now, me and my emotions. Me and my emotions. I'm going to uh, try and speed through this. I'm going to ask Busola to join me at some point to take a hard part of the message. Uh, yep, I need that. I need that. Yes, but today we're talking about emotions. And um, uh, I'm just going to write in my lovely handwriting. S- Swedish. That's really Swedish. Beaters. Okay. What else is there? What else? Speak out, don't worry. Some, sorry, I, I, love my, I love my head that. <laughs> I love my beaters. Yeah, all laughing like you haven't taken it before, but it's all right. My Sunday, all things are under the blood. What else is there? Yo yo, beater. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Go ahead. What else? Sorry? No, speak. I'm sorry, I heard something. It was from there. <laughs> but there are a bit more. And, and, um, but seriously, there's one or two more. Come on. <laughs> origin. Origin bitters. Is it good? <laughs> and I even know the origin is spelled with a J. Not. Okay. And this is important for me to put out on the board. Because as we teach about me and my emotions today, the first place we start is bitterness. Okay? So that's all that here. That's the first place we start today. Why is this important? Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, so, so God created us with our emotions. Your emotions did not arrive by mistake and do not surprise God. God created you, body, soul, and spirit. In Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist says, body and soul, I am marvelously made. Okay. Um, and throughout the month, you know, today is talking about plus and minus. Throughout the month, we'll talk about different emotional states. And we'll talk about the fact that they are natural emotional states. There's natural happiness. There's natural joy. But when you read through scripture, you begin to hear things like the joy of the Lord or the peace of the Lord. Okay. 
uh, emotions are powerful. In fact, uh, preparing for this, it, I realized that sometimes um, emotional states affect your ability to express the grace of God. So, uh, God will say in discussion with Cain, you know, when Cain is getting upset, in Genesis chapter 4, he says, why are you angry? He says, and why has your countenance fallen? So, there's anger, and says, Cain, I realize that you're also sad. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, he says, sin is at the door, it's crouching, he says, it's desires for you. Uh, uh, that it will rule, uh, but you should rule over it. And it says to him, look, Cain, something bad is about to happen because it says you are in a terrible emotional state. Uh, James three sixteen scripture says, where there is envy and strife, it says every other kind of evil dwells there. Every other, it says there is confusion and every evil work. In fact, James one twenty scripture says, for the rot of man the anger of man cannot produce the righteousness of God. So there is a link between how you're doing on the inside and even your ability to you know, show forth the fruits of the Spirit, to express the grace of God. And so uh, we'll, deal with, we'll deal with that. I'd like us to read Exodus chapter 15, very quickly. Exodus chapter 15, from verse 22 to 25. While we are waiting, you know, normally in those days in church, when they say open the scripture, everybody's opening Bibles. Nowadays, you just wait for them to put it up. It's fine. It's all right. Um, let me ask the person next to you, how are you really doing inside? How are you doing inside? How are things inside? How are things? Maybe, you know, after the makeup, what is there? After, under the week, what is there? Don't ask under the week. What Somebody might just get upset. It's not a week. It's my hair. And even if it's a week, I bought it. It's my, it's my own. Exodus fifteen twenty two. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shaw, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Um, I preparing for this, you know, came to the realization that uh, and bitterness was the first one, so just slam in my mind that we needed to start with. Came to the realization that sometimes we do not know or we're not cognizant of that which we carry on the inside. Um, And I felt very strongly to deal with bitterness today. Help me ask the person next year. Just tell them I'm going to be talking to you through this service. Just get used to it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it's just no now. Okay. I'm going to be talking to you. Um, let me ask them is there any bitterness in your heart? Is there any bitterness in your heart? Is there any bitterness in your heart? Um, because it is difficult for a person who's carrying bitterness in their heart to fulfill destiny. It is difficult for a person who is carrying bitterness in their heart to fulfill destiny. Somebody says, ah, you know, it is what do you mean? Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to read through, just trying to provide some uh, scriptural context for the discussion. Acts chapter 8. So they're talking to this gentleman who's joined the company of the church. But he has then said to them, look, may I give you some money so that I will be people and um, and they can receive the Holy Spirit like you're doing and then you know you know Peter vexes what, what perish with your money and then Peter says something verse 21 you have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God 
Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. What he says next is powerful. He says, for I see, this is Acts chapter 8, 21 to 23. For I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound by iniquity. That you are poisoned with bitterness and bound by iniquity. Uh, the Bible says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of a man's heart, Luke chapter 6, 40 something down, it says the man speaks. Another verse, another scripture says that guard your heart with all diligence. From out of your heart comes the issues of life. And, and so when we talk about me and my emotions this month, and we start to talk about bitterness, please do not take it lightly. Do not take it lightly. Now, I don't know what kind of tea you guys like normally. And before you tell me that it's not a teacup, I know it's not a teacup. This is not how I drink tea at my house. I use teacup. <laughs> Friends, oh, PI guy, not even too shut. I use a bush people put tea, tea bag as I tum- I was going to say tumbler. But <laughs> what is this one called, Tolu? Tolu, what is this called? <laughs> tumbler will do. <laughs> okay. It's, this is what we call it Ibadan. This is what we call it Ibadan, right? <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to pour myself uh, some some tea. Not some tea. I'm going to try and make some tea. And, and the thing is, says there is something that is in the heart of a person that um, essentially dictates what they do, how they do the things they do, what they say, how they act, how they behave. Our emotions spill over into our words. Our emotions spill over into our actions. Our emotions affect our social interactions. They affect our reputations, eventually. Our emotions affect our careers. Our emotions affect our ministry. It says to guard your heart with all diligence. In Acts chapter 8, where we read, he says, look, you have no portion. This guy has joined the church, this chap they're talking to. But they say there is behavior that we can see in your life that makes it difficult for us to see how you can participate in what God is doing. And Peter then says, let me give you some more you know, information. He says, there is bitterness within your heart. He says, and I see that you are bound by iniquity. And, you know, the word bitterness comes from the Greek word pikria, which also translates to sticky. Because there is a way, and, and I just sense today, I say to the leaders during the week, that I sense that today is almost like a baptismal service. You know, I pray we have time to just worship God at the end. Because sometimes when we come to God, we bring him just the external. So he said of a people, he says they've come, they worship me with just their words. He says, but their hearts they've kept apart. Okay? And, and so, as we deal with the issue, you know, uh, um, today, I'll ask you to open your heart to God. Because there's, there is sometimes, you know, some emotions that we've kept within our hearts that begin to dictate stuff. I'm not sure where you got this tea bag from, but <laughs> it's not hot water. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get it. Um, but there is some things on the inside of a person which begin to dictate all the things on the outside, and that's what God—that's where God wants to talk to us about today. Someone says, "But where does bitterness come from?" Um, We'll deal with three sources of bitterness very soon. Today, I pray that you will be open to God. I pray that you would let God speak to you. I pray that you would let God speak to you. Your emotional health is every bit as important 
as your physical health. Uh, I was saying to the guys when we were praying, I said, you know, during the week, I realized that uh, because as Christians, sometimes we are so charismatic that we don't, realize, we don't think about the things that are happening on the inside. But I realized, you know, the Bible says a good heart or a cheerful heart does good like medicine. So when I was praying, the way it dropped in my heart is that everybody, every Christian actually carries a hospital within them. So you have the ability to dispense health from within yourself. You have the ability to dispense healing from within yourself. But, you know, and it's, 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 I, I just sense that in this season, God is saying, look, uh, for every, for everybody, but he wants to get you to the place where your heart is right with God. There's a prayer, and I'll, I'll say it again at the end. We'll pray about it at the end. Uh, God put it in my heart. It says that our hearts will become like Goshen. And Goshen was the place in Exodus where the Israelites dwelt. And it was unaffected by the plagues that were going on on the outside. Um, let's receive Busola. And she's going to deal with this part of the message that talks about three sources of bitterness. We call her BWS. Busola Walish Yobola. Hey Zoe. Okay, so um, quickly, PI has already laid the foundation for what bitterness is and um, how it essentially affects our entire makeup. Our makeup being our heart. Our heart is the seat of our emotions. Um, there's somewhere in the Bible in the book of Proverbs that says that the spirit of man is the candle of the, of the Lord, searching the inward parts. But when your heart is closed, when your heart is bitter, when your heart is affected by things, issues, circumstances, situations that may have um, happened to you in your past, currently happening to you in your present, then it is very difficult for God to speak, it is very difficult for God to work in you, and it's also very difficult for God to work through us. So I would discuss quickly um, the three sources of bitterness. The first is unresolved or perceived hurt. And you might be here and you're wondering and asking yourself, what has this got to do with me? But I say to you today that it's possible you may have been offended in the past. It's possible that someone has mistreated you. It's possible that you may have suffered some form of rejection. You may have been forsaken. It's even possible that you may have gone, undergone some form of abuse. Emotional abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Which reminds me of an encounter I had um, when I was in secondary school. I came across my parents and I. They had come to get me from school that day and we were going and we saw this young man who happened to be a very distant relative of ours. And who also happened to be um, someone that had taken advantage of me when I was a child. And... My parents were very excited. Of course, I didn't tell them. I couldn't even have told them then. I, I didn't have the heart to. And seeing this guy, they were excited to see him because they hadn't seen him in a while. And he was talking. And before that time, before seeing him, I had not made much of the incident. Yes, it was there. Now, I, the way I'm wired, I typically forget um, bad events. But there are some events in my life that have refused to leave. They're just there. And this guy was telling my parents excitedly how that he was now an evangelist, you know, kind of like a pastor in a CAC church. And that was such a big deal back then. I think it still is now because before you make an evangelist, you must prove that you are very spiritual. And I recall I was at the back of the car daddy and I was looking at him. If looks could kill, he would have dropped dead, as in dropped down dead. I was so angry. Before then, I didn't know that I had not completely resolved the issue. Yeah, God and I had our issues in and out. 
But it all came rushing back. The anger, the pain, you know, the, the emotional trauma. It all came back in one second. And he was triggered by the fact that he said he was now an evangelist. And I was so angry. I, I realized I wasn't just angry with him. I was also angry with God. Because I was like, does that make it all go away? Like, yeah, so what? You forgive him? But even at that age, and at that point in my life, I realized that if I didn't handle me, I would live with it forever. And not just living with it, I would, I would never be whole. Because at that point, I just thought I wasn't whole. I thought, yeah, so this had cost me something. It was tough hearing that he was now a Christian. And at least I knew God enough then to know that. He probably had cast that sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And it was all, you know, yeah. A clean book had been opened for this guy. But I was still there, hurting. I was there, angry. So I don't know whatever, what, what, what form of abuse you may have, you know, undergone or rejection. Sometimes it's even rejection from parents. The people you think should protect you the most are the ones that say the most hurtful things to you and you're just trying to wrap your mind around it like, how does that even happen? Am I a mistake? Did you, did you, was it that you didn't put some thought into conceiving me? Why do you hate me so much? Sometimes it's even, it's your relationship and you're wondering, how did I get here? How did I end up with this person? who treats me so badly after all that I have done after giving my time after giving my love sometimes after even giving my body and then just like that so when we do not resolve these issues sometimes we think just having it there I will deal with it at my own time. But it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, up over and over again. There's several reminders. And then you begin to wonder, where is God in all of this? Sometimes this thing, some of your issues, also, you know, some of the things we deal with, some of the things we struggle with, happened decades ago. Or maybe even last week. But it just seems like, we are sitting right in the middle of it. And I guess that's the analogy Pia is trying to do with that tea bag. You're just right there and the anger is just seeping through your entire being, your entire life, affecting every part of you. The pain, the hurt, the bitterness. And it's just flowing and just cascading every bit of you. Till it engulfs you completely and it begins to overwhelm you. Such that you cannot even hear God. You cannot even see him or experience him. Even in the little things. And he's trying hard to reach you. He's trying to comfort you. He's saying to you, I am right here with you. But we struggle. Why? Because we have put our eyes on that which affects us the most. That which has taken from us. That is where we have put our focus. Bible says if your eye be single, then your whole body will be full of light. I believe it means that if your eye is single and it's on Jesus. If your eye is single and for a minute that you take your eyes off the pain. That you take your eyes off the problem. Off, off that situation. Off that hurt. And that you will just channel it on Jesus. The balm of Gilead, the only one who can actually make you feel complete. Make you, reassure you that he created you whole. Yes, you may have undergone certain things, but he's still there for you. Sometimes it is that people don't like you or you think that they do not like you. Perceived hurts. 
You think that the reason why your boss does not appraise you in a certain way, you think you deserve to be appraised in a certain way, but it just looks like it's not happening. It's because you are not from his tribe or you are not from his state. And you see that he gets along with certain types of people who are like his inner carcass. So you are offended. And instead of striving to ensure that you do your best and just trust God with the process. Instead of learning from that boss how not to be such a boss. You focus on the issue of this guy is just very tribalistic. He's racist. He's, he doesn't fear God. He's, he, he's an agent of the devil sent to put me down. And then you just are angry. You stay angry. I put it to you that a state of hunger, a state of anger, a state of bitterness, a heart that is filled with wrath will never work out the righteousness of God, will never experience the righteousness of God, God coming through for you in those situations. And how do I know this? I use the example of Jesus Christ. When he was on the cross. I mean, how do you go through so much? How do the same people that you had looked down before you even took on the took on humanity, took on the human form, the people you had seen ahead that you know would need you, or the reason why you were coming? You look at them and all they want to do is whip you, pierce you, share your belongings, spit at you. And then you say, Father, forgive them. And I ask myself, how do I, how does one get to that state where you just overlook it all and say, Father, forgive them? For they don't know what they are doing. But this person was in his full senses. This boss had, I mean, it was okay, it was all right. His head was there. How do you move from that state to a state of, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I'm also reminded of the story of Joseph, who went through so much. I don't know if anybody here, is, I mean, has a similar experience where all your siblings, I mean, not even one, not even one stood up for you to say, ah, ah, guys, I think the only guy that tried to do it, Reuben, before he came back, they had, even he from the onset had a problem with Joseph. This guy, your dreams. Are you the only one? We are all older than you. What's wrong with you? Because Popsi has made you what now? A fancy cloak. Will not hear what. And you know so many things. But how do you live in, in the midst of such hate? Such, such hate and, and you know, to the extent that they could plot to sell you. Initially, they were going to just, you know, kill him or leave him in a pit to be torn by animals. But at the end of the day, they decided to sell him. They sold him for cheap. Just did away with him. You may not have been sold, but your experience might even be like, you might feel like your experience is like you've been sold for cheap. And then Joseph goes through that. And then he goes through being lied upon goes through so much, ends up in jail. But what is very instructive in the story of Joseph is how that even in the midst of all that, in the prison, he was not consumed by his own problems so much so that he could not observe the countenance of the butler and the baker. You know, there's a way you can carry your problems on your head and you just think the whole world is against you and you're just moping and you know, crying and feeling very depressed and, yeah, the world is against you. Joseph could have been in that situation. He could have chosen to be that way. But he was observant enough to see that there were other people who were downcast, who had challenges, and he reached out to them. And in that place of Joseph displaying affection, and showing love and just asking those guys, guys, are you okay? 
therein lied his own deliverance. Him being able to help others, even in the state of his own, because Joseph was innocent, for crying out loud. He was completely, you know, innocent. But just because he chose to, you know, help others, his deliverance was tied to that act of love, that act of kindness, him reaching out. The devil wants us to sit and dwell in that state of bitterness where your judgment is clouded, where you, you know, it's like a veil over you and all you see is wrong, wrong, wrong. You know, you're just very critical, very judgmental, very angry. He just doesn't want you to to just lift up your face for a minute and just experience peace and freedom. Because he knows that the very minute you lift up your eyes and you put them on Jesus instead of on your situation. That is the day you are delivered. So resentment is one of the loudest signals of bitterness. Another source is deferred hope or unrealized dreams. Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us, if not all, can relate, I mean, to this. You're very expectant. In fact, you're a Christian. You have confessed all the scriptures. All God's promises. You have confessed. And you're just wondering, God, when? God, when? When will it be my turn? When will I also come out and testify? When will you do this for me? I don't know what it is that you've been asking God for. That you have been waiting on God for. For a year, for a week, for a month, for a day. For 10 years. Five years. When will I also be healed? People come out and testify all the time about your, you know, outstretched arm into their hearts, into their lives. How you have turned their situations around. When will I also be able to say, yes, God did this for me deferred hope and it just seems like you're there and God but I pray now but I fast but I'm a Christian but I have tried to you know at least keep this path of righteousness just journey with you on it I have journeyed with you I have served you diligently I think and it's just not happening Someone who had a similar experience was Naomi. I mean, how do I can imagine on her wedding day, the banquet, the, you know, if it was our, I mean, we had a wedding yesterday. It was all fancy and, you know, very glamorous. I don't know what weddings were like back then, but I imagine that it was, it was also a big deal. How does she, she left her land, left her people, married a Moabite had sons, had daughters-in-law. And then, just like that, she begins to lose them. Every time I read the story of Ruth and Naomi, I just think, I can imagine the kind of questions that would have gone, as in, how, how did she stay sane? Because I recently lost my dad. In fact, in the month of January, and it has been such a journey. The pain... Some days I just don't even want to wake up. I just, as in, I'm just like, God, this is a bit too much. And for me, it's peculiar because I'm the first child. So I have to plan funeral service. I have to engage family members. I have to be there for my sisters. I have to be there for my mom. And some days it's just so much. It just hurts so badly. I'm like, God, but Why? And then you encounter people who say to you, you can't, I mean, some adults, some old aunties and uncles that did not even know how we lived as a closely knitted family who were not there when we were going through our pain as a family and, you know, just loving ourselves. And, you know, my dad doing all he could to ensure, literally putting his career on hold just so that his girls could be the women. He always said to us that we were worth more to him than 10 sons. And then one auntie from nowhere just comes and says, who are you to question God? And at that point, I'm just like, God, I'm happy I know you. 
in spite of it all, I trust you that you have the best plan. I don't understand it, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it has pleased you to take him away now. But in my heart, I roll my eyes at these people and I say, don't tell me who am I to question, but I can have a conversation with my father and ask him to make things clear to me. That his peace will saturate my heart and his light will shine and illuminate my life and just give me an understanding of what is going on. So don't tell me not to ask God questions. He is my father. I can converse with him because that's the way I can stay sane. So I can imagine Naomi losing her husband, losing her children. And she says, you know, that her, her heart is bitter. So much bitterness in it. So I don't know what it is that you have lost. I don't know what it is that has been taken away from you unexpectedly. Sometimes it is things like you don't like where you were born. Sometimes, yeah, I've met people who regret being born in Nigeria. Because Nigeria is such a, it gives, it grieves them. I know several people who are making plans to relocate and just have dual citizenships, or if, or if possible, triple. You don't like where you are. You don't like where you work. You don't like your boss. You don't, you know, it's, there's so much that you don't like about your current circumstance and situation and your life. And it grieves you daily. But I say to you, keep your eyes on Jesus. The one who has the best plan for you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He had a plan. He created you. If only you would trust him with your process. If only you would trust him with your journey. And lastly, the third source of bitterness is cultivating negative emotions. So emotions like anger, that is why Jesus Christ said, be angry but do not sin. And that is why I would, you know, take it back to the story of Cain and Abel when God says to him, sin is crouching at your door. Because God understood or God knew that he was angry. It's okay to be angry. But what trans... Not allowing that anger take over you, consume you completely such that you sin. And it's not only when you carry a knife and kill like Cain did, that's when you sin. If your heart, because it's a function of the heart, and that is what God looks at, your heart. He looks at your heart to bless you. He looks, looks at your heart to redeem you. He, looks, he wants to heal you, but it can't work because of the state of your heart. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You see the lineup. It's bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking. When you talk bad about people, someone that you resent, it's so easy to just, you know, say it. Secrets that you, you know about them, stuff that you know will not edify your hearer. You just you release it. Why? Because... Your heart is grieved. I pray that as we continue in the service today, that the Lord would heal. And that he would grant us the grace to be able to release those we have held in unforgiveness in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate with Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm going to try and land this now. Uh, so... The scripture she refers to in Ruth, uh, Ruth 1, 20, 21. Uh, Ruth says, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. It says, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? And uh, as I prepared for this, I, I, it's as almost like God said to us sometimes as Christians, people who he wants to take on a far journey in a great place. And sometimes we underestimate what we've carried from where we are coming from. There's Job who 
chapter 7 and I think it's 11. He says, I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Um, I mean, my tea, which they so kindly have then made for me. Uh, it was just a tea bag at the beginning and you've put it in a bit of water and you've left it. And all through this week, you know, praying about it, trust it, I kept just getting that sense of God wanting to free people up. Free people up. Um, Hebrews twelve fifteen says, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. How, how do we experience the newness and the sweetness? How do we move from minus to plus? Priscilla said that Jesus is the balm of Gilead. So I, I know that a lot of us haven't experienced this before, but when we were much younger, for real, my daughter is here, so I'm going to say, oh, really? Oh, we're much younger. We would, so when the, uh, oh yeah, I can tell you this. So would, they would kill chicken, right? So the chicken you ate comes from chicken that was alive. <laughs> and would kill it. And I don't know if you've ever known this before, but when you then, after you then, you know to get the feathers off, you know what you do, yeah? Put in hot water, yeah? And, and someone like, really? So just put it in the machine and it comes, no, you put it put in hot water, and you take it out. And then I remember this, is that when you're then cutting it up, right? Um, and I think this was also with, with smaller animals, that they were always very careful with a little part and I think it was where the bile was right and and they would say to you uh, that I think even with animals with goats and cows that you have to be careful that if you if you if you cut with a knife the bile and it's spilled on the rest of, rest of the meat that it was going to be very difficult for you to redeem it and Naomi says look why why are you calling me Naomi says look call me Mara you know says, because the Lord has afflicted me. And sometimes my plans did not work out. He broke the engagement. I got a bad appraisal at work. Someone died. MMM closed shop. Arsenal lost again. Something, you know, just... Is the mirage? Who's <laughs> so sure? I I know I I, can, I know days when I'm just staring at the screen and my wife says, eh, "Ha!" You know, and you are angry for her. You're angry at her for criticizing. See this wenga when they buy players, you're just looking at her like <laughs> just bitterness, just bitterness. Is our experience of God bringing healing? Is your experience of God bringing healing to you? Jesus says in John 4, verse 14, he says, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never test again. He says, That water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up unto everlasting life. There is something that God promises us as his children. Is that he will make all things new. And sometimes God makes all things new by teaching you how to walk in wisdom. I tell people that forgiveness is superior wisdom. Forgiveness is one of the most complex forms of wisdom. In fact, when we counsel couples, we say to them, you must forgive before you become bitter. Because what sometimes happens is that someone offends you. And then you, you let it, you know how it is, you, you just let it dwell. So he offended you on Sunday. I don't know who's offended you recently, but he offends you on Sunday. I don't know who did something, you know. And, you know, but by Monday, you, so you know how they talk about animals ruminating, you know. You're just dwelling on it. And you know, how you know you're dwelling is that you start to, by yourself, you're just saying, you're, you're, you're just, hmm. Hmm? <laughs> no. But you don't mean Josh, Josh could do that to me. Then you sigh and you leave it to dwell again, just marinating your heart. You know, guys, you know how it is when you want to cook when you're making chicken, right? Guys, come on. You know, you put some sauce. Guys are like, really, really, really. <laughs> you know? Um, I know that's what God does sometimes. Sometimes you, I think that she leaves it over the night. 
you know, put soft stuff on it so it can seep in. So you leave it like Monday by Tuesday. The issue is really, it's really, you know, it's just, it's all juiced up in your heart. You know, you don't know why you're driving rough on Lagos roads. You don't know why your hair is in a mess. You don't know, you know, you don't know why you're shouting at people in the office. You know, you don't know. You're blocking everybody on social media. You're deleting people. <laughs> and you know I'm coming to where you are. You know. Someone says, ah, can I have the document? What document? What document? Sometimes demanding for an apology can be a great door to emptying bitterness. Because even learning how to give an apology, learning how to ask for an apology... Is important. Jesus says, Bussola quoted earlier, Luke 23, 34, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And so forgiveness first frees you up before it frees the other person. Forgiveness first frees you up before it frees the other person. It says that I will not collect the interest of another person's offense. I will not, you know, when you go to the bank and you put money in fixed deposit and they put some interest on it, you know, I will not collect the interest of another person's bad behavior. I believe that God wants us to start, let me probably stop here today, with this, uh, because like I said, you know, Acts 8, Apostle looks at the man and says, there is bitterness poisoning in your heart. How does Ruth's story end? Ruth, chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, Naomi's story, Ruth is relating as he said to him, these seven efforts of barley he gave me. For he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how this matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Essentially what happens is that God brings Ruth and Naomi into a place of favor. And God was saying to me this week that for some of us, what's going to happen in the coming season is just an outburst of favor upon you. Because while you're dealing with matters on the inside, like Joseph, sometimes things begin to also change on the outside. And so much that, you know, Joseph's brothers show up and say, oh, you know, uh, are you not upset with us? And Joseph's like, upset with you? Can't you see the palace? Can't you see the throne? Didn't you hear Pharaoh just texting me? <laughs> How can I be upset with you? You know, she says, uh, but Pam, you know, you're not upset with me. I broke up with you in JS1. Are you joking? Have you seen my boyfriend? All six foot seven. Uh, Gucci wearing, anointed, talks. I'm happy that you broke up with me. In fact, break up with me again. <laughs> and for some of you, God just wants to show you such favor in this season. That even, you know, Genesis 50, chapter 20, uh, Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph says, you thought you did it for evil. He says, but God was working it out for my good. And so while you and God are working on the inside, I get the impression that in this season, there is great favor on the outside also. Great favor on the outside. I'm ending that prayer. That prayer, God bless my heart, says that our hearts will become like Goshen. It is so easy to become bitter in Nigeria. Sometimes you're just reading the paper they say they stole $67 million. And you know what your bank account is. You're just... You're just <sighs> so you, know, you get to the place where like, everybody's a thief. Anybody who drives a G-Wagon in this country is a thief. And their fathers are thieves. Their children will be thieves. You're just bitter, my brother. <laughs> the guy drives a Range Rover or a small young lady drives a Range Rover past you in traffic. Just look at her. I'm robber. <laughs> you are bitter. <laughs> you are bitter. You are bitter. You are bitter. <laughs> you are bitter. <laughs> you get into the plane. In your economy seat. You are going. You save for it. And, and then you know how the airlines are wicked people. They make you go past first class. Ah, all these arm robbers of Nigeria. Bitterness. Bitterness. Valentine is coming now. So your friend just posts. Ah, Kule is so lovely. Blocked. Blocked, blocked forever. Not just from inside, everything, even email. You can send me. You're bitter. <laughs> but I, I said the only way I could explain this is that God wants to free you, he wants to take out the trash. Take out the 
trust. All I'm going to do this is a simple prayer. You know, it's a simple prayer. Follow me. I don't know what song we can sing. But um, while we worship, it's two songs of worship, and then we just pray. It's just one prayer. It's Lord, I, I refuse. I refuse to hold bitterness in my life. For some people, God will lead you to just start forgiving people. I don't know who it is. Might be your teacher in JS1 who failed you in biology. Might be your teacher, might be the gentleman who sold you, you were ugly. I don't know who it is. Follow me. You don't know what song? Sir? You have captured my heart. So that the one who had been forsaken will find family. That Jesus, the sergeant, Jesus, the waymaker, Jesus, the master, Jesus, the guide, Jesus, the architect. And Naomi says, I went out full. I've come back empty. It says, do not call me and Naomi. Call me Mara Peter. But Jesus is the tree of life. He is the one who says, if I get in here, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. He is the one who says, I work out all things in conformity with the purpose of my will. He is the one who says, my thoughts towards you are those of good and not of evil. To prosper and not to have you. Hey, Lebanda Manda Legadesh. We release favor. 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 All over February, we release favor. The Bible says, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Uh, for someone, you would even find people who have been, been estranged for a while. They would call you in this season of favor. They would reach out to you. And, and it's not just for them. God is doing it for you. He's breaking down walls. He's, he's breaking, he's mending fences. He's breaking down walls in this season. You will get an email. You will get someone show up and say, uh, please, I forgive me. He will get an apology. But God is breaking down walls in this. Because he says, I refuse for you to carry bitterness. He says that you would let go of the weight. That everything, he says, he says where you are going is, is too far. It's too far. It's too important. Let's just sing, you've captured my heart, but without the instruments as a church. You have captured 
Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.